2: The Lawson Podcast will be discussing topics that some listeners may find disturbing. If you're still listening, get up and make sure you've locked your doors. They'll get in. They're coming.
3: I'm Lucy. And I'm Emma. And we are, it feels like longer than episode six. I feel like we've been doing this for long Yeah,
2: time. I feel like I've aged a hundred years since <laughs> I've been researching this podcast. I'm enjoying it. I'm liking it but I also feel like as well as the murders they committed they've also taken a piece of my life with them
3: (laughs) I love the Facebook group, people on the Facebook group are so nice
2: the Facebook group give me life, that's true what the murderers take away, the Facebook group are giving back,
3: absolutely so if you want to join the Facebook group just look for S apostrophe laughter and you can either add it as a friend if you find my profile but there's also a group that you can get approved to but if you add me as a friend I'll add you onto it Um, Where we we... discuss secrets. Yes, all the secret things we can't put on Twitter. So, am I first this
2: week? Yeah, it's definitely your turn first. So, my murder this week is John Christie, which... Which doesn't excite me massively, because episode one of Rillington Place was a little bit dry.
3: It's so so jammy, because my mum just told me about this a couple of weeks ago. I think she told you at the same time we are away in... Durham near Durham yeah and um and I was gonna do it anyway and then and then she she called me and told me oh there's a new drama about this and it was a bit like when you did Marianne Cotton it was just weird timing so I've, I've researched it I wasn't that impressed with the drama but I am impressed with the murder so we'll see um so John Christie was born in 1890 so it's another quite old tale which we've done quite a few of in Yorkshire Sheffield I don't think of Sheffield as Yorkshire. I think because it's so near the Midlands.
2: It's probably Yorkshire. I love Sheffield. I've not been a lot. I would like a Sheffield boy. I love that accent because it's it's northern but it's soft. Yeah, that's
3: true. It is soft. Um, And his father was a disciplinarian and his mother was overprotective. Now, we do see this with quite a few different murderers. That
2: split between father and mother and their approach and
3: also the overprotective mother now i've just that's been... the fred west that we discussed last week right? ed Gein had a crazy overprotective mother and uh, norman bates his mother was very heavily involved in his life and i've just been teaching a unit on uh, schizophrenia and they do have a theory of schizophrenia which is the schizophrenic mother which is a mother that is overbearing and overpowering and it, it is linked to schizophrenia so it is linked to mental illness having, like, a a full-on mother who's overbearing. God knows how I ended up so normal. (laughs) Yes! She's not laid back. I'm worried for your brother, is all I can say. (laughs) Uh, So he left school at 15, and he served as a signalman in World War I. Um, He was temporarily blinded by a mustard gas attack, um, and that also caused
2: hysterical muteness. Now, to... Hysterical muteness? That seems like a massive juxtaposition, like an oxymoron even. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm hysterical, but nobody knows. What? That's just what? Violent
3: twitching? I mean, it's called hysterical muteness, but th- there's no way to express your hysteria if you're mute. And it lasted three years, and some people said he was doing it for attention. Now, I can't think of a, w- Again, a worse if you're trying way. Again, yeah.
2: <laughs> if you're trying to get attention being really fucking quiet is not the the way it's not the way that the children in my class are doing it
3: there's no look at me about this there's no hands up I want to answer every question
2: and also temporary blindness is also like the worst thing for a signalman I want my signalman to see exactly what's going on (laughs) he Um, can't see what's happening and he can't tell you if it's fucked up either he is the chocolate teapot of world war one absolutely
3: uh, so, yeah, he was he was basically no use nor ornament. Um, he had early signs of sexual dysfunction as well, and a lot of control issues from the off. Um, he started visiting prostitutes, age 19 And if it's ever an age you don't really need to go to a prostitute, there's a lot.
2: I was going to say ages. like before the, like before the ages of twenty four, like I didn't need help. No. No. Not that I'm going to prostitutes now. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, all those errand boys you've been getting <laughs> but when you're your young age. But when you're younger, like... I don't know. I know, you're all sort of feeling each other out, aren't you, a little bit? Like this. No, you're but... just falling onto dicks left, right and centre. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> that probably says more about me than it does yeah. about John Christie.
3: But yeah, at 19, everyone's horny.
2: I mean you don't need to go and pay for it sure yeah you could find somebody yeah uh, so line 22 maybe maybe it was an accident maybe he was really horny and he was like oh she's into me too look at the way she's banging on that window seems like she's really gagging for it like the red velvet curtains everything is screaming she wants me and then he realised he had to pay afterwards
3: yeah I mean I've learned people who do that not not very well but I've learned that there are people that sort of Lip around your house and then say by the way you've got to pay right before the act in <laughs> 1920 he married Ethel Simpson now
2: that is an old lady name isn't it like she came out of the womb wrinkly and liver spotted because you little baby Ethel it's Aww. just just don't work does
3: it? it's like Derek a- little baby Derek little baby Ethel one of there
2: was something I was reading a Buzzfeed article today <laughs> That's the, that's the kind of journalistic integrity we have um and it was about baby names of 2016 and which were the most popular and it was saying that tv shows had a heavy influence so stranger things was big this year and the mother in that is called joyce so apparently the name no, joyce has increased joyce. by like 20 30 percent like can you imagine joyce little five-year-old oh, joyce. joyce carol is another one that's Moth gone up this is year really old. There's a lot of Marthas. No, thank you. No. Every Carol I know is a stone cold bitch. <laughs> She's usually the one that comes around collecting money for a birthday card of someone I've never heard of and then complains when you put coins in. What do you want from me,
3: Carol? Blood? You're not getting it. <laughs> Carol's a level less than 50. Oh, no. Surely. well they are now little baby Carol Kaz Kaz Um, so he married Ethel Simpson Waddington (laughs) I didn't have the punchline there before Uh, Waddington uh, but kept seeing prostitutes so he's married but he's still still going for the old pay as you go and he also became a postman and uh, was sent to prison for three months for stealing postal orders oh if I was a postman the worst I'd do, I'd just be reading all the postcards. Like, well, you definitely would, wouldn't. You'd have
2: it? a feel of them. And if there was something protruding, you'd want to have a look. Maybe have a look and then I'd post it. Yeah. Definitely. There's no need to steal it when you can just get all the secrets anyway. Yeah, I'd definitely have
3: a look. Um, so, Christy went to prison um, for. So, he was. Stealing the post. Stealing the post. But then he also went to prison again. For violent behavior, soon after he got out, then after he came out of prison, he broke up with Ethel and he moved to London. What? He's like, I've seen things in prison. I've changed my life. Good day to you. Off to London. He's gonna go live his live the life he's always dreamed of. So, age twenty nine, he was sent to prison. Still a young man. <laughs> what <laughs> for theft? Didn't really turn it around. Did and he? Spent nine months inside. So he went to, he went to London. I went to a London prisoner's dad. Um, he got out, moved I've in... travelled. <laughs> yeah. He got out, moved in with a prostitute, then got to the sixth month for assaulting her. So, he, I mean, he, they might as well have just
2: left his cell with his bed again. I mean, he was in and out, revolving like, door. Has somebody told him the law? Like, do, maybe he's just going through life being like, "What's is, was that illegal? I didn't know, because... In and out of prison that much, I feel like maybe he's confused. He might be confused. He might just be a rotten shit.
3: I think that's pretty likely. That's also true. Yeah. Um, uh, he also got accused of several more assaults, didn't go to prison for those. Um but he well, did. Well after a
2: while you stop caring, don't you? And
3: then he went to another prison for another assault.
2: Ugh.
3: Yeah, like, oh Yeah. Can't deal one. with the paperwork. No. Uh but then car theft
2: back in car left what sort of year are we talking uh like if he's 30 now from 1890 was it 1898 that car would have been amazing you could have caught up with it jogging like how <laughs> yeah. did he even steal that thing he's steal max it, speed of drive 25 away. miles an hour
3: police on foot just chasing him down the road um So he he was just in a lot of prison all the time, Uh, which will be funny later on when you find out what job he did. Um, So he asked Ethel to come to London and live with him. So he got
2: out of prison again. Oh, what? And called up Ethel? All right, fuck boy. That's not... If you ditched me once, you can't just ring me back up now that you're in London. and be like, oh, actually, no one's as good as you. I knew that. I knew that in Sheffield. And you just didn't listen.
3: And And he also was prepared to carry on sleeping with prostitutes so obviously he'd be like i'm, I'm just, prepared to carry on sleeping just with going
2: out for a walk love i'm i'm prepared for that with him. like i'm prepared i will date you and i'm also prepared to sleep with other people if that's necessary
3: <laughs> and she was down she was up for it so she came down to london to live with him, um and he kept seeing prostitutes and he started getting quite violent sexual urges and he sort of got a little bit into
2: necrophilia Just just a tiny bit. How do you how do you dip your wick in necrophilia?
3: Well, a friend tells you about it. You think it's a good idea.
2: Yeah, but I still want more logistics. So, where's he getting the dead people? I mean, I don't think he has. Or are they just are they just playing dead? He's like like incredibly still. Well, I'm assuming
3: a lot of it was is from his point of view because there's not a lot of evidence. To go on, and they went around interviewing prostitutes, but I think it it was all kept on the down low, um, obviously from his side. So I, th- I, think he probably just liked the idea of it, and maybe right. like became a, interested. A sex talk.
2: Oh, yeah,
3: tell me you're dead. <laughs> just
2: like jerking off over a gravestone, that kind of stuff. Um, so, I mean, that is the gateway. Like you having a casual rank on a gravestone. Next thing you know, you're fucking a corpse yeah slippery slopes
3: that's how they that's what they say so uh, christy and his wife ethel um moved into 10 willington place in notting
2: hill so they bought a house in fact i don't think they bought it i mean that just shows what mortgage companies were like back then that he'd been in prison that much and he could get a mortgage i was interrogated by mortgage gestapo to get this place they even complained that I spent too much money on petrol getting to work. I was like, "How do you want me to cut that down? The distance from here to my job is not going to change." And this is in central London as well. If he can afford a place in central London
1: this with is zero daping.
2: questions asked. Question 1, have you got a job? Mm, maybe. A Question a 2, are you going to like it? are you likely to, you know, fall short of your payments? Well, I do go to prison every 6 weeks. <laughs> yeah. Um so as as world war ii started
3: um he asked to join the police force and they said yes he his criminal record was ridiculous got um, lost in the post he fucking nicked it <laughs> yeah um, yeah the dbs just went missing so they just said well go for it he was assigned to harrow road police station um it just seemed they were taking anyone I mean
2: were they were they not checking um, although World War 2 do you think the shortage of, was there a shortage of men available who were you know fit to work but I mean
3: I guess he's a bit older by this time I mean he's
2: which probably meant it was the reason why he was staying in London right rather than going and signing but up but surely there's a whole generation of people his
3: age I mean he can't have been the only guy who could be a policeman in the area there's got to be better better options than a, Like women, like 50%
2: of the population (laughs) who are kicking ass.
3: But he started sleeping with a woman he worked with. Um, I'm assuming she was a receptionist or something. I mean, they wouldn't have let her do anything important. Um, And her husband caught them at it and beat him up. Nice. So he was shagging. I mean, he was shagging people at work, he was shagging
2: prostitutes. Anybody, anyone, anyone but Ethel. Have you seen? Is there a photograph available of the real John Christie? There,
3: there is, and he looks like
2: a a normal old man. Because that's the impression I got from episode one of the drama, which sort of is up yeah. to this point was that he was have, constantly having affairs with people, yeah, and yet he was a lot older than the woman he was sleeping with, and the the actor is not cute. No, he was not cute. He's distinctly average.
3: I mean, he looked like someone's dad. So I'm not sure what his how he draws them in. He's just paying for most of it, to be right. fair <laughs> But what he wasn't paying for, I think he was just maybe he was charming. I think he was pretty weird, to be honest. Um, so the first person that he killed at this point, he started. He, I mean, his neck. He wanted necrophilia. There's only one way to get it so he killed Ruth Forrest Elijah. there's not one way
2: to get it oh I mean, he could have got. yeah he could have gone digging he could have gone digging he could have got a job in a mortuary he could have he could have stuck his dick in a bag of ice cubes true he could have got a mannequin it's not the same he could have moulded a human body out of clay true true i've got more i'll save those for later (laughs)
3: yeah um so the first woman that he killed was a 21 year old austrian girl who was sleeping with him not even a prostitute you're getting sex anyway why ruin a good thing yeah and he impulsively struggled her and then impulsively impulsively i think he, he just thought this this is a good idea and then had sex with her corpse and then buried her in not even his own garden the communal garden the communal garden at Rillington Place Um, so he had enjoyed we the- had
2: a communal garden when I was growing up that's you, how poor we were did you bury
3: any pets in it?
2: We didn't bury any pets in it, but when it was my birthday, when I was about four or five, we had a bouncy castle. And I remember being really bratty and pissed off because we had to have the neighbour's kids on the <laughs> bouncy castle, even though they weren't invited to my party because it was their garden too. To be fair, like, they had no ownership over that bouncy castle. Yeah, I was in their garden though. <sighs> I was still a bitch about it. Well... started me to go on. I've got regrets. <laughs> um, so, like,
3: basically, this was an impulsion, but he, he was like, I, pre- I pretty much enjoyed that. I'm going to do that again. Um, so he planned the next murder. He was like, oh, I'm definitely going to try this again. So he killed his 32-year-old neighbour, Muriel, another fantastic name, Muriel Edie. Uh, basically invited her over, and he told her that he'd got a cure to her bronchitis, they made out of a special mixture.
2: Yeah, but it, that's like when they're like, oh, semen's the best thing for a yeah. sore throat. I was like, that's definitely Wait. a
3: euphemism there. <laughs> oh, I can cure your bronchitis. Because he's no doctor. Um, and Lily Gaster I'm with gonna carbon monoxide. We're going to take your breath away. <laughs> so he gave her some carbon
2: monoxide. Just gave her some carbon yeah. monoxide.
3: With his special mixture. And Lily uh, choked <laughs> her to death while she was passed out. And then had sex with her body. And she went in the garden as well.
2: The same garden. The same garden.
3: Um, in 1948, a man called Timothy Evans and his pregnant wife, Beryl, a lovely name, moved into the top four flat of Rillington Place.
2: So it was a block of flats and they moved in upstairs. Yes. This I saw on coming up on Rillington Place. This is episode two now. Yeah. This is spoiler alerts. If you're really into Rillington Place the drama on BBC stop listening now just save it don't listen to dave gorman listen to lou reads the internet yeah and then come back come back to us don't leave us hugging um
3: so they moved in uh he was he had a learning difficulty so he was below average iq he was very low iq uh she gave birth to a baby girl and then she got pregnant again so they obviously weren't using contraception um and basically she freaked out she couldn't afford the baby they both couldn't afford the baby he couldn't really hold down a job he wasn't the brightest uh christy said to them i can sort you out with an abortion and abortions were illegal then so there was a lot of backstreet abortions Now i looked into this a little bit um we're going full seen...
2: coat hanger well if you see call Drake. the
3: midwife then you know there's kind of there
2: was a lot of sort of off home. I can't watch Call the Midwife. Well, there was a lot of, There's like... too many babies and I just feel sad that I'm never going to have one. You will have one. I might not. I'm just going to have a puppy instead. Oh, that's better. It is better. They're um... never going to be a teenager and rebel. <laughs> um,
3: so, basically, a lot of people would charge... Uh, they, would, they would sort of claim themselves to be able to do backstreet abortions. They'd charge people a lot of money they weren't using sterilized equipment they were total amateurs lots of women died from it the ones that didn't die got infections and were very sick from it but people were just so desperate now he just said basically i can do an abortion come and get it sorted out and then he guessed her didn't made no attempt to try the abortion strangled her to death (gasps) had sex with her body and then told evans that the a lot of the stuff that she'd been trying to use before she went to him for an abortion he killed her. So he said that she'd be killed. I did by not a see that helicopter. coming. I thought he yeah. was just
2: gonna give a, her an horrendous job. No, no.
3: Just pure he Evans was out, just killed her. Did, did the usual. Um so she's dead. So and then he's having
2: to dig a hole in the garden did he bury her in the garden too? No, like he put her in a sewer drain. Because I was gonna say, like if immediately your wife is missing and then I'm digging in the garden again, you're gonna start getting suspicious.
3: Yeah, a yeah. Sewer drain. No, a sewer drain. So he told Evans, "She's died as a concoction of all these things. Don't go to the
2: police." I mean, the disposals of it. these bodies must be like. It gets a lot. It's not saying that he's cut them up or anything. So no, he having. Did, yeah. Oh, he did. Yeah. But he's having to keep the body somewhere while he digs a hole. Like, wh- where's the entrance to this sewer drain? Like, he just seems to be lugging bodies around in broad daylight. I mean, he's clearly not bothered by a dead body, because you will find out it gets a lot worse. He obviously feels like he's gotten away with it. Like, that's it. I mean, that, just like a feeling of, I can't be caught. i yeah. better than everyone. Sorry. His
3: wife's in the house this whole time. So, Evans went away, lived with his parents for a while... Couldn't cope with trying to hide Beryl's death. He came back, he went to the police, but he told them he accidentally killed her. What? He basically said, I've killed my wife. Was that just like power of suggestion from Christie? I think he was just scared to get him in trouble, Joe. You know, when you really like someone and you think, oh, I don't really want to get in trouble because they're do me a favour, but I've got to say something. So he's like, well, maybe if I take the blame. So he basically said, I accidentally killed her I've disposed of her body in a sewer drain sorry so did he know that that's what Christy had done yes Christy had told him he said I've she died because of this we can't go to the police because abortions are illegal therefore i put her body in the sewer drain and (gasps) you just go away and forget about it and he left the baby with Christy the little girl that they'd had um so the police found nothing they looked in the sewer drain they couldn't find anything They questioned Evans again. What's he called? Splinter. He's got a Splinter's got her in the sewers. Is that what he's
2: called? No. The rat from Yeah. I Gingit... mean, Ninja Tales. Teenage Ninja Tales. Heroes in a half shell. Tell power!
3: But they went to question Evans again, and this time he said, oh, actually, it was Christy. Right. So he caved. So again, they searched Wellington Place again. A lot led the police to find the bodies of Beryl, Baby Geraldine, the baby. She's gone. She's gone, and she had been strangled with a mum's tie. I mean, that's sickening, isn't it? Yeah, I
2: just vomed a bit.
3: So Evans, Evans gave several different stories. Evans couldn't keep his story straight because because he didn't understand. He, he didn't really get it. He was just he was just confused by the whole thing. He was mortified that his wife had died. I think she probably probably got him up and dressed in the morning so he was just lost without her um so he he said to police that he'd struggled beryl due to debts but then he said that christy did it
2: how horrendous that 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 him admitting to murdering her is at that time was better than admitting your wife had tried to get an abortion yeah
3: ridiculous like
2: for this reason alone... Like, that should be the argument for pro-choice because the stigma attached to abortion should never be so great that people are feeling that amount of pressure.
3: I mean, the reality is women are going to get abortions legal or not. Let's make it safer for them.
2: Or let's just start researching some decent contraception.
3: Yeah. Some foolproof contraception. Um... And make it easier for women to bloody get it as well i'm having a lot um so and then he he said that he gave barrel abortion pills and that, that killed her shall we so
2: quickly just talk about beer or something and hope that we get some male listeners On beer
3: and football
2: beer. so
0: <sighs> football
3: go uh so christy convinced the police he wasn't involved um because he was a lot brighter than the levels. So he said... He sort of spelled the tale. He said, I'm not involved. His wife backed him up as well. Now, we saw in Rillington Place that he was sort of quite aggressive to her. Um, yes. I think there was a lot of a dynamic there. So I think she was pretty scared of him, to be honest. But she said, yeah, yeah, Christy was with me. Um, it, it can't have been him.
2: I've been here the whole time. So she backed him up and did She must have been aware. I mean, if she knew that he was dangerous or even suspected, you wouldn't want to rile him up. No. Uh, So in 1950, Evans went on trial. He had
3: the worst defence team. They were useless. Um, They basically ignored all the inconsistencies that Christie had said, and his wife had said. They didn't really present him as an alternative killer. Um, So Christie charmed the jury. They thought he was all right, and Evans was found guilty for these murders uh, tragic and he was hanged on March the ninth in 1950 it's such a, a terrible case of getting the wrong man, clearly what? and because he was like he was low intelligence he didn't have much hope really bless him He'd, I don't know I mean, he's already lost his wife he's lost his daughter and he was just trying
2: to protect her memory by not letting people think that she'd had an abortion yeah just, just terrible. So, after that, weirdly, Christie became quite depressed.
3: Um, As so he should. After the trial, he lost his job at the post office. His wife then disappeared in 1952. Well, let's just check the garden, shall we? <laughs> yeah. Christie told everyone she had gone back to Sheffield, but then the people in Sheffield he told that she was too ill to speak to or write to them. Basically, he'd strangled her, and he placed her body, rather than the garden, which is... Sewer! Either... Loft! No. Cellar. You know, you must have been scared that the garden was either full or the police had already checked there, so he put her under the floorboards. So in the cavity, a bit of insulation, a bit of... Stop the drafts. Well... Can you imagine the smell in summer? I know, disgusting. The labourers started complaining about bad odours. <laughs> yeah, he basically right. disinfected the and whole thing. He s- just lived in it.
2: He just lived in it. That smell must have clung to him. That must have turned him right on. I mean, I cooked, I had egg on toast for breakfast, and I was smelling that all day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, but he, he was necrophiliac, so he loved it. Um, the next year, so he's got her in the fall, it's a whole year Yeah. Probably made a little fuck hole for himself. Seepage
3: through the ceiling. I mean, that body's not going to last forever. Um, next year, Christy killed Rita Nelson, a pregnant prostitute who had promised an abortion. So that old, I'll sort you out love line, placed her body in an alcove behind a cupboard in the kitchen. Okay. Now I've got some shit in my cabinets in the kitchen that I need to really get down and give a good
2: scrub. But he just stuck a body there. I mean, if he continues, his house is going to be like 60% flesh. Yeah. I mean, he's keeping the drafts
3: out some way. So the same year, he killed 26-year-old Kathleen Mooney, another prostitute. We're still
2: going. Yeah.
3: She was also stoned in the alcove. Bit more room. That one's rotted down a bit. Shove another one in there.
2: Oh, rotted down is not a phrase (laughs) that I want to hear again lastly there's another one lastly thank god for this 26 year old hectorina
3: McClellan. now if that sounds like a made-up name in a panic that then i've never known one
2: hectorina Hector.
3: what's your name uh hectorina
2: McClellan. i mean it looks like you've been clutching at straws to make or hector name. mclennan was that much of a narcissist that <laughs> when he had a baby girl he's like nope Hectorina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's a female version of me. Um, She's got my moustache. <laughs> so
3: he did the same too. He gassed her, he strangled her, he had sex with her, he put her in the alcove. So there's three bodies in the alcove now.
2: You then, I mean that can't be an alcove, that's got to be a spare
3: room. I mean they, they're shoved in there and then he papered over, bit of wallpaper over the cupboard. No one's ever going to look in there. Despite the stench of dead bodies coming from them, um, so rather than sort it out, rather than having a good clear out, spring clean, he thought, "Well, I'll move out. I'll let someone else deal with it." So he basically poured a load of air fresheners, showed a load of tenants round, and then um, not only did he leave the house smelling of rotting flesh, he also screwed them out of three months' rent. So they moved in. People moved in. They moved in. They couldn't afford to pay the place for the place because you'd screw them out of three months' of rent and then they had to move out after, after 24 hours. So low one there it was empty. Um, so the flat upstairs was like, I think they might have had problems with their kitchen. So they basically said to the landlord of the place, can we just come in and borrow the kitchen? So they came in to make themselves a lovely dinner and noticed the smell and found bodies all over the house. Disgusting so the police began looking for christy because he was the obvious person um he was found 10 days later run out of money so he went on the run with Sodol, yeah uh he admitted to four of the murders straight away he said he killed his wife in mercy as she had already been choking to death and if there's one thing that someone who's choking to death needs that's struggling just to help him along <laughs> the way <laughs> yeah <laughs> And saying the three prostitutes had become aggressive and tried to steal from him. So that was self-defence. Um, and then he also admitted to the murders of the bodies of the guard and after a while, once they were discovered, but also said Beryl was a mercy killing. So he had little stories. He's like these kind of people that can never sort of admit defeat and just say, no, but but he told me to do it. No, but it was because of this. Um he tried to plead insanity at his trial, but the prosecution argued that because he tried to conceal the murders, it was obviously not insanity. As in fact, he was found guilty and sentenced to death by hanging, and he was hanged uh, two weeks later at Pentonville Prison in London. Um, I think they tore down the house, so it's just uh, grass now but it's probably for the it really lush grass i expect <laughs> yeah really well fertilized because i mean, there's so so many bodies uh, put there. evans was later found innocent obviously too bloody late uh, for his daughter's murder which he was tried for and he wasn't tried for his wife's death but he was granted a posthumous pardon in
2: 1966 unless you're gonna build a statue of someone it's not really worth a lot even though i won't give a shit but it's too late. What too about a statue? Late. You can fucking get me a statue. Well, not if you're dead. No, What's I What's the good one? of that? We had somebody... We were just talking before podcast recording about um, colleagues that have died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cheery conversation. The colleague that I had who died... They Is there planted, a statue at the playground? No. They planted a tree and then... Because children go through school and then obviously within a matter of years they no longer remember that person someone who didn't know like the meaning of that tree is lost someone kicked it down while it <laughs> while it was still while it was still like a oh, sapling that's it so got sad. kicked down so I want cast... that
3: kid get absolutely annihilated
2: by the teachers <sighs> see not really because yeah they kicked the tree down they got as in trouble as you would for kicking any sapling down yeah but like there's no point putting the guilt of it being a memorial for somebody because they didn't know. Yeah, fair So I want a cast iron statue. If I die whilst still Gee, teaching, no, I want something like fully cemented in, like really strong. I want people to line up and salute me every day.
3: I don't know. I just want a table named after me. A table. I think you can draw a few dicks around there. I mean, that's I that's say, pretty it's, fitting. That's it's about be respect towards dick say. table. <laughs> I mean, start. That, 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 as in life, it's so yeah. in
2: death we remember her as she was a <laughs> <Copied and> dicks. <laughs> ok part of what me and Lucy do is that we don't really tell each other who we're going to research and present <laughs> for the podcast so um, I've chosen a murderer but it seems to be. There's a lot of parallels, a lot of similarities. I keep doing
0: that.
2: Yeah, he's a male, similar ages. It's because all
3: British murderers are the bloody same.
2: Disposed of the bodies in quite a similar way. Um, my guy is pretty much the modern day version of John Christie, um, the Scottish modern version of John Christie, Peter Tobin. Love it. Was that Scottish? No. Peter Tobin. Um, so he was. Peter Tobin, no, terrible. He was convicted of three murders, but there are suspicions of many more, which and investigations are still ongoing. There's still there's still people fighting and researching and trying to.
1: to find out if it's right for you.
2: Pin other things on him. Like, it's the belief of some people that he's one of the worst serial killers that we've had. Um, But it's difficult to say. I mean, there's other serial killers like um, Henry Lee Lucas, who confessed to a few crimes and then once was in prison just started confessing to every crime that was going. Um, So that does happen. But... It does seem like you're and fits for a penny and for a pound, pretty much. Like if I'm going to be here, I might as well get yeah. as much media as attention as I can. Yeah. Um. So, this started. He was, um. Well, he's an interesting character. He was caught in about 2006 because of a really high-profile case. Oh,
3: so quite recent.
2: Yeah, and once he'd been caught for a particular murder he pretty much refused to talk he'd been arrested and refused to say anything so the police set up Operation Anagram which was a multi-agency like multi like inter-police force operation to find out about this guy's life because he was refusing to say anything they didn't know where he was living where he'd been what he'd been doing for vast periods of his life Um, so they operation anagram was to find out who was this guy so a lot of the information that we have is pieced together from interviews or where they've shown his picture and then fat people have come forward and it's all very much Say a fat jigsaw people.
3: fat people have come forward where they
2: found people Oh,
3: I'm saying, well, fat people have come forward because they've got loads of free time <laughs> <laughs>
2: they just want to get out the
3: house <laughs> yeah they just got no friends so they just wanted him and they had a chat and i was thinking operation anagram well, i was expecting them just to be solving anagrams it's i love the so names no of
2: the operations they come up with operation anagram is kind of geeky i bet came up with
3: that was well pleased with himself.
2: a little bit cu- it's cute because they're like oh, we're trying to figure out who he really is adores yeah it's cute. um so Basically, um, Peter Tobin, born in 1947 and from the age of seven was in a Peru He was um, in Borstal, he was Young Offenders. He'd done all, the whole shebang before the age of 20. Um, from seven to be in a pru, like you know he was in the 50s as well, that would have been. 1950s um, school for um, disruptive boys like he was getting the shit kicked out of it <laughs> you know that was happening they used to cane kids in mainstream schools yeah. so they were proper walloping kids in a pro at that at What's that it time um, it's a like a behavioral unit right <laughs> Um, so, and then, so that was all before the age of 20, um, he was in, then in Young Offenders for petty crime and forgery, he was actually quite good at forgery, um, so then once he was out, he decided to live his life in earnest. so the 60s, he's living in Glasgow, he's got jobs, various little jobs, he tried his hand at most things, painting, decorating, handyman, all sorts, um and he would go out to the dance halls on a weekend, and he would court the girls. So he started courting one girl in particular that he met at the Barrowlands Dance Club, Margaret. She was 17 years old, so a little bit younger. Um, And straight away, he started to get dark. So they courted, like they'd go out dancing, and then a couple of months in, he said, do you want to stop over? And she gave the perfect response, I'll have to ask my mum first. Brilliant. Of course. And apparently, he just lost his shit. Um, locked, slammed the door, locked it. Well, you're not fucking going anywhere. Like, I said, you're staying. And just proceeded to rape her.
3: Oh, God.
2: Yeah. And after that point, he pretty much did not let her go. She was kept prisoner in his flat. She was not allowed to see her friends. She was not allowed to contact her family. Why wasn't her mum getting involved? He had complete control over her. I mean, he was, like, drip-feeding things. Like, she's here, she's around. They would go out together, but she was never out of his sight, and she wasn't Mm. allowed to have any life outside of him. And there's stories of that she had a dog, and he slit its throat (gasps) because it was barking too much. Oh,
3: God. I mean, that's a bad man. That was the start. Killing someone's dog. You're a bad, bad man.
2: And one of the worst things that he did was... After, I mean the rapes were almost constant.
1: Oh, one of the thing one
2: particular incident was that he um stabbed her with a serrated knife and twisted it around inside of her to the point where now like to this day I mean she's alive and well but to this oh. day she um can't have children. Oh. She, I mean her words were I'm like a jigsaw inside. Oh, God. I mean that's typical Scottish to make a complete joke out of it but It really does make your minge cringe to think. It
3: does. I mean, but surely couldn't she wait till he's asleep and like slip slip out the door? Or I mean, you'd think. But then I I guess if you're unless you're in that situation, you don't know how terrified you truly are.
2: I mean, I assume she she thought he would come and get her. I mean, she brought she obviously thought it would kill her. Well, at this time, the knife incident, he realised. He'd massively fucked up and he so he just left he oh. left the, he left her there left the flat got out <laughs> and left her to die um neighbors found her because of the blood coming through the ceiling
3: oh my god
2: uh, I mean I, yeah, it's too much. <laughs> words words do fail me because obviously the slaughter podcast trusts a thin line between giving you the gruesome facts and also making light of it and then sometimes i come across a gruesome fact and like there's just nothing i can say it's horrendous I mean, that,
3: yeah, that would be a
2: bitch to get out <laughs> like, yeah dangerous. i mean the amount of blood loss <laughs> was just ridiculous so she bled I mean, how much emotion would it take to repaint over that though You can't cover him. (laughs) So she, the neighbours came and called an ambulance. She was in a coma for three weeks following this attack.
3: Oh God, that is horrendous.
2: Um, once she'd come round and had started to recover, she was discharged, but was taken back to Tobin. (gasps) No. Um, were they married? Not at this time. So once she was discharged and got back to him, he knew that he needed, like, she was going to leave now. Yeah. So he. Popped her in a car and was like, "We're moving to Brighton." Oh, I mean, from Glasgow to Brighton is as he just was driving down yeah. until he got to sea. Like, there's no further down he could yeah. go. So he took her and was like, "We're getting married." He just told her, "We're getting married," and they did. Um, and they stayed together until he was arrested for petty theft. I mean, this is one of the things that I, the police in this story do try their best yeah. that he was. The theft had occurred in Glasgow before they'd left. The police had found them in Brighton and taken them back to Glasgow for questioning. I that's mean, good. that's the... Obviously, the department's that's working effort, together. Because you couldn't just let that slide. Like, well, they're all the way down there. Yeah. Like, I... Mm, like, 500 miles. So, they... 500 miles. They took them back for questioning. And once they were there, um, Margaret's mum was able to come and fetch her from the police station and save her, thank God. Um... But once Peter was released, he moved back to Brighton, and within three weeks, was married to somebody else.
3: Oh my god!
2: Three weeks. Where like are you
3: fucking marrying him.
2: I, I mean, she a nurse as well, an intelligent woman with a job. Um, and Peter Tobin, he he had he did jobs, menial jobs. But he'd been at, in and out of prisons and institutions his whole life. He didn't really have... His moral compass was so twisted that it was practically a spiral staircase at this point. Um, but the only
3: thing we're learning from this podcast is that anyone can get in a relationship. Because yeah. the depraved, hideous, messed up man that we've looked at, is very rarely they single their whole lives. I mean, he definitely—he
2: definitely at the start he would pick people, particularly who were vulnerable. Yeah, and he would at the start would offer—he would offer a caring, he would offer a nurturing. His control came across as affectionate, yeah. as interested, and then eventually was too much. But at yeah. the start, he was giving these people, these women, attention who really craved it.
0: Yeah,
2: I mean, they were married for a long time. It, their marriage was. Not without incident. Sexual asphyxiation was a huge thing. And that was eventually what led to their divorce. Um, she actually left for a women's refuge.
3: Does so that choke
2: during sex? Yeah, yeah. That was his... And it said that that was pretty much his preferred method. Like, he couldn't really...
3: I mean, if that's every time. He... That would get pretty exactly. wearing. It? Like, like, what's in it for me?
2: He couldn't I really get, get off without, more, without anyway.
3: it. can't have a nice massage first? Some <laughs> normal sex for one. <laughs>
2: Um, So after that, he then met Kathy Wilson, who was 16 years old. At this time, he was in his 40s. Oh, daddy
3: issues.
2: Well, she'd been in foster care. She'd lived with grandparents in foster care several times. So she was definitely vulnerable. And like I said, he was offering that nurture. He was offering that attention. That as a 16-year-old girl, you're still craving. Um, And she moved in with him. And they lived together in Brighton. Um, eventually the b- violence started, but he'd got her pregnant. Oh, God. And so she stayed and married him. Um, he convinced her to move away to Scotland. So they'd got together, they'd had the child, but still he needed more control. So like, like a cult leader, he knew that the way to get them to stay is to remove them from their family, remove yeah. them from their friends, and totally isolate them. So he took her away but Kathy had been so i mean her story is pretty horrendous the reason she'd known abuse already and to her and these interviews with her where she was like i've had worse than this
3: yeah like to her that's normal that's how relationships Yeah she are. justified
2: it as if he's had a bad day he's going to beat me up if i'm not wanting sex he's going to take it and she yeah. saw it as that's what people do. She yeah. didn't think it was out of the ordinary. Uh, that's so so depressing,
3: isn't it? That's not normal. If you're listening, that's and you think that's normal, it's not normal. Get out of that relationship. You feel
2: trapped, but there's people that will help you.
3: Yeah, you deserve someone who will respect you. There's no reason anyone could ever be
2: you. that would be okay. Um, she did eventually threaten to leave him. Um, Tobin, unfortunately, not just being like a violent. Um, aggressive guy was also incredibly manipulative and said that if she left him then he would kill her son make her watch kill her and then kill himself so uh, she lived with him after this declaration it was a further three months that she lived with him until she managed to actually escape and take her son with her
3: good girl so i guess she was plotting it that whole time and she was just getting ready yes and that gave she was she determined
2: that it happened and he he, apparently he would never raised a hand to her son but it was getting to the point where she couldn't really take care of him and stay with tobin so she moved down south she moved back to her grandparents that she lived with before who were down south tobin then also moved from scotland back down to the south of england to be closer to his son and for some reason possibly due to her own childhood and the fact that she hadn't had a dad around and the fact that he hadn't actually abused their son daniel kathy decided that she would still let him have contact with their Mm. son and she would let him go to be at weekends
3: and maybe the son's putting the pressure on her it's my dad and he doesn't know. I mean, the boy was better. still
2: under five during this period. Oh, so he's she felt the pressure to be a good mom and let him see her dad. But yeah. to see Tobin again, I don't think it's anyway. She did. She would let Daniel go and stay with Peter Tobin, yes. in his flat nearby. But he used it as the perfect excuse to get more young girls into his flat as babysitters oh my god often weekends when he would have daniel he would employ a young girl to come and look after him and then go out um which led to one of his next serious attacks two 14 year old girls came over to babysit and he said to them actually i'm not going to go out let's just stay and drink here i hope we don't need me then bye well, these 14-year-old girls were like, Oh, alcohol. Yes, please. Yeah,
3: brilliant. Underage drinking. Don't even have to do the job. Probably get paid anyway. Dream Evelyn.
2: Exactly. Um. So he got them drunk and then started to try it on with them. They weren't having any of it. So then he drugged them. Oh. <gasps> Um, He then decided, okay, this isn't really working out. I want to get it on with these girls and I've got a five-year-old son kicking around. (laughs) So he rang Kathy, claiming that he was having heart problems and wanted to go to hospital. And she came over to get her son and was like, do you want me to go with you? He's like, no, I think I'll be fine. I'm probably sure I'll be fine. I just need to sleep it off. Take him, take him now. Just
3: sleep this heart attack off.
2: Bye. Yeah. Um, But ignore these two 14-year-olds in my house. It's fine. (laughs) So once she'd gone and taken the boy, um, he did. He raped both girls. He, um, I mean, the, the actual, the conviction at the time was for boogery, which is obviously such an antiquated term these days. Yeah. Um, he threatened them with knives for a long time, torturing them. And then once he'd finished, turned on the gas on the oven, opened it and left the hat flat. No That's terrible Tried the same method again Had not learnt from before He thought I've done it Leave them to die He At this point He just No one dies He doesn't have the balls To actually kill them Like no. He's the worst Like He wants to Fuck them And have complete compa power over them But can't bring himself To actually do the murder At that's this terrible. point
3: But you think if it was now They'd have a mobile phone In their pocket They'd text the mum Come and get me This guy's fucking mental and they'd be gone in ten minutes.
2: Well, ama- they're yeah. stuck there. Amazingly, one of the girls woke up, despite the drugs, despite the gas, oh. woke up and with her hands and ankles tied managed to call the police to come and find oh, them both. God. Which is miraculous. Yeah. But both girls did live. So, they knew exactly who he was, where he lived, yeah. who his ex-wife was. He was banged to rights. Arrested. Um... <laughs> By someone's infinite wisdom, he was offered a plea bargain and so he pleaded guilty to the rape Um, and so the attempted murder of the girls was dropped. Yeah, we'll just forget about that. So this was 1994 um, at this point and he was sentenced to 14 years for the rape of underage girls. So child molestation, pretty much, Yeah. which 14 years I thought might have been longer. At this point, I have a cute old man alert. Oh, I love a cute old man. So Ronald Waterhouse was the judge for this case. And he is yet another adorable old man. Um, wasn't, he was pretty old. I think he's been old his whole life. And his accent is unreal. He's what every English accent should be. So this is what he had to say about Peter Tobin's case.
0: It was, I think, the worst case of its kind that I had during the 18 years I sat as a judge. The age of the victims, the fact that they were drugged um, and given alcohol, and then there was the uh, evidence that he'd played with them, in effect, uh, a sort of cat and mouse game, um, and uh, threatened them with a knife.
2: Oh, he is adorable. He's so cute,
0: right? I
3: love his
2: little jumper. (laughs) He's like an old man just melted into an Angora sweater. And that's where he sits to this day. His slippers on his pipe and his little cup of tea. Um, So Peter Sobin served 10 years of that 14-year sentence and was released in 2004. Um, On the Sex Offenders Register, though, um, and so at this point he was 58 years old and he returned to his childhood town of Paisley in Scotland.
3: When you think 58, like, you're done, that's it. Your crime days are over,
2: you're old, Lil. Yeah, exactly, which is part of the reason why he's still such a figure of interest now in that a lot of serial killers don't start at 58. I mean, yeah. at this point, in the story I've, to- I've told so far, he hasn't murdered anybody. No and we, yet yeah, we he's know he's a, a serial killer
3: he's just a domestic violent arsehole
2: yeah so the murders that come about after this point um, police are convinced this can't be the beginning yeah, of where he started time. we've got to find out about his life before and see what he was up to because he, like you say there would have been an escalation of events that led to this um which it's is like no one starts 30.
3: a career at 60 come on that is the end of your career you're done no wants to retrain in at sixty. Murderer or no murderer?
2: If we were fifty eight, I think we'd be saying things different.
3: <laughs> fifty eight, I'm starting low career. Whether it's murderer or teacher. I mean how many teacher trainees do you get? Fifty eight
2: none, none. No how many teachers it. do you know that are 58 I was saying this to someone the other day Like, where are the old teachers I've not seen one ever I'm worried that either they're being abducted or murdered in some weird <laughs> kind of Logan's run scenario
3: they just can't be asked with that shit anymore they're teaching A level
2: so Tobin's next major incident um, occurred in 2005 he, um, he met a lady called Sharon McLaughlin and became friends with her. Like they would go they would drink in the same pub down the local and have a chat and things. Um, one day he said, Do you wanna come have a coffee at my house? Again, she was a lot younger, he was now in his nearly sixty, she was in her twenties, but How is
3: he pulling all these bitches?
2: I don't know. I mean if you see what him did you? not really, like there's nothing particularly grotesque other than like he has sort of like a skeletal face. Like <laughs> that's what women really want. Not too grotesque, but skeletal faces, is all right. Really emaciated, sort of waxy, oh, no. small guy. Um, so he might go over to his house for coffee and they watched the football. Um, and then she was like, okay, it's time for me to go home. I'm going to leave. And for some reason he decided, nope, and jumped her with a knife. So in fact, all he's getting is the first date and then he's just like, right, I'm going to roll with this. Yeah. Um... But he picked the wrong girl. Because Cheryl had been in the army. She'd been on a football team. Brilliant. She had been brought up with eight boys in the house. And she did yes. fight back. She managed to get the knife from him. Yes! She was cut in the process. But
3: he knew, a shit.
2: he knew he didn't have a chance. So he did what any wiener guy would do in that situation. And was like... Oh my god I'm having a heart attack (laughs) Help me Help me now And totally tried to turn the tables on her She was like You thought I was attacking you But now quick help me I'm gonna die And She was like No Yes What are you doing This is ridiculous And so eventually he was like Oh actually it's not a heart attack I'm fine I think I'm fine I was kidding you Um, I just need some fresh air So she obviously felt some amount of pity towards him and said, sure, let's go out. But as soon as they got outside of the flat, she ran like Billio. Good. She was gone. She well forest done. gumped the shit out of there. <laughs> she was away. Um, she called the police, of course, and they went to his house the very next day, but he was gone. Um, when uh, A lot of the stuff that I've read about Peter Tobin He's referred to as um, nomadic, as a wanderer. He's basically the British version of the drifter. (laughs) He's around and about. Um, So he evaded the police by staying in hostels and changing his name all the time. He began to use the name Pat McLaughlin. A little bit creepy in that he took her last name for his new pseudonym. But one of the things that he would do, from similarly to the last few times where he left people for dead is that he would then seek refuge in a religious place. He would go and join a church, he would go and join a religious group. That's where he would find solace because they would take him in and if he washed himself and if he spoke politely, then they would totally accept him yeah. and not suspect him either. So he was old. Well, oldish. Yeah. He was taking advantage
3: of the religious
2: act. So he went, um, at this point, after the McLaughlin case, he went and joined a church and basically became their handyman. He would work doing odd jobs, and he would also, one of his main jobs was to work in a charity, feeding the homeless and doing running their kitchen. Um, so he was thought of as a nice guy. He was, you know, well, respected, quiet, kept to himself, but no one would suspect him of anything else. Um, until... There was a Polish student who attended the church, Angelina Kluk, And he took a liking to this lady and thought, right, she's going to be mine. So 2006, um, he was alone with her before one of the soup kitchens and he hit her with a table leg. <gasps> oh he, then, God. he then bound, gagged and raped her. This
3: is at the church?
2: Yes. Bloody hell. Before eventually stabbing her to death.
3: Oh, my God. That's
2: disgraceful. Um, he put her into a plastic bag and then hid her in a void. It's, again, really similar to John Christie, this story. Hid her in the cavity underneath the church garage floor.
3: I mean, I'm just visualising a carrier bag. <laughs>
2: um, and it's then, bin bag. and then went to the kitchens and carried on preparing for that evening. um, Angelica was reported missing the next day and they searched the church as they knew it's the last place she'd been. Tobin was interviewed. Um, by Tuesday, there was nothing. This was on the, either the Monday or the Sunday. By Tuesday, there was nothing, but Tobin was gone. So they released his pictures on the news and a girl he'd made friends with back in Paisley until she realised he was a sex offender identified him not as Pat McLaughlin but as Peter Tobin. He had then travelled down to London. I mean, he was constantly back and forth. Brighton, Glasgow, Paisley, London. He was all over the place. Um, He travelled back to London, um, admitted himself to a hospital under the name James Kelly, where a nurse recognised him from his pictures on the news. And by Friday, the body was discovered. Um, They could easily link the crime to Tobin because once he was arrested he was still wearing a t-shirt that was covered in her blood. His own spunk. What? Plus some of Angelica's cells. Like oh from the Sunday to the Friday like sometimes you might wear a top two days in a row but not when you spunked on it. Oh, this, a week. He yeah. wore the same top for a week and it had evidence on it.
3: It's like when you like, you've you've got some you've got some sperm on you, you. Use a T-shirt by the bed. No one's wearing that T-shirt again. Like that's going straight in the wash. You don't put it on the next day. That's a spunk T-shirt, Absolutely
2: and it's labelled as such
3: for a good fortnight. Um,
2: and it's at this point that so he was taken back to Scotland, arrested, and would not talk. Hence, why Operation Anagram had to start. Um. One of the police in the interview, in the documentary that I watched, sorry, um, he said that he couldn't visualise how someone could have committed such an act against such an innocent, attractive young female.
3: So he's never heard of Ted Bundy then.
2: Exactly. (laughs) One, he never heard of Ted Bundy. Two, this pissed me off massively because the narcissist in me was like, oh, so you have to be hot to get murdered, do you? Like... I was thinking immediately, Jeffrey Dahmer like, slept with so many guys and you he only murdered the ones that he thought were hot. Yeah. And I was like, oh, so you're not... But the fact that he couldn't visualise that someone could murder an attractive person, I was like, oh, so the ugly girls deserve to die, do they? <laughs> like those ones, yeah, I can see why someone would murder her, but I could never visualise why someone would kill an attractive girl. Like, And as well... Don't judge a book by its cover. Like you think she's hot, you've only seen a picture once she's dead. She might have been a bell end. You don't know. Like, I just think <laughs> this is getting too close to the bone Well, he will have only have met Angelica again. He will have seen. He will have seen the crime vi- scene, and he will have seen a photograph afterwards. Like, and they always pick the a little bit photo. creepy, a little bit creepy that he's crushing on all these dead girls. But they pick the cutest photos to make it seem the most tragic. Of course. Like just chill the fuck out. I feel like her attractiveness should not be brought into how no. bad like that shouldn't be used to judge the severity of the murder. No. It's yeah, it's never about how fit they are. Um so he was arrested, he they had him banked to rights and he was convicted for it but again they were convinced that he could not have begun to do such a crime like this the fact that he disposed of the body so expertly the fact that he had a violent history but wouldn't speak about where he'd lived had no evidence they felt like something must have been happening in his past that we didn't know about so they started this nationwide operation to find him about find out about him they began to look into missing persons from places that Tobin would have been living in. Um, there was a major story in Scotland in 1991 of Vicky Hamilton. She was seen last seen at a bus stop on her way home to Falkirk from Bathgate. And it was huge at the time. There was TV appeals and it was Scotland's biggest search for a missing person then. But nothing had been found. During Operation Anagram... They realised that Tobin had lived in Bathgate during that time period. So they went to his house where he'd lived at the time, searched around in the loft, found a knife that he just discarded with material and skin oh of Victoria God. Hamilton. The DNA matched, he just put it in the loft. Holy shit! So, and they would have touched it. We had the creepy brisbane loft hider. We've now got murder weapons in loft. Check your lofts. <laughs> check them. Like, I'm a... going to check
3: my loft now.
2: Definitely. If there's not a murderer, there's at least a murder weapon with DNA on her. From 17 years ago, they were able to get that back. Jesus. Tobin, however, wouldn't admit to meeting her or anything. So at that time they couldn't convict him fully although they had it from a house that he used to live in it wasn't quite solid enough to convict oh come on that's pretty
3: solid
2: um around the same sort of period so still 1991 about six months later there had been a lady diana mcnichol who had gone missing in essex she'd left a festival and was last seen hitchhiking uh, when will they learn? The nineties never hitchhike.
3: Do not hitchhike with anyone. They will murder you for sure.
2: Um, she said bye to a friend she'd met at the festival, and the man was convinced that she had driven off with a guy with a Scottish accent. So the Essex police were now aware of Tobin's profile because of the um, the Operation Anagram that was going around all the police places, and they found that her credit card was had been charged in the months following her death to places where Tobin had been living. So they interviewed his neighbours of where he lived in Margate and one of his neighbours recalled him spending rather a lot of time digging a sand pit oh. in his garden. Um, The American listeners, that's sandbox. Ours are the same. They're a box that you put on the ground. You don't have to dig them out. It's not a quarry. <laughs> I don't, like unless he wanted to put his child in a sandbox that he couldn't actually get out of it wasn't a sandpit so they searched the house and while they were this was it, the Essex police in Margate and while they were excavating the garden they found Vicky Hamilton's body <gasps> who'd gone missing in Bathgate, Scotland so nearly 500 miles from where she'd gone missing so the I mean that's, that's solid evidence the pathologist believed that she hadn't been taken and then murdered; that she'd been murdered and then taken to she there, he'd a driven body. with a body. Um, she'd been cut in two and wrapped in plastic again, oh. and but the plastic had preserved it to where they could see that she had been drugged and that she'd been strangled, wow. and that blunt trauma showed that he'd knelt on her oh. to, while strangling. They continued to excavate and then found Dinah McNichol as well. This time in a number of plastic bags. Um, They also found in her systems a drug that had been prescribed to Tobin at that time and his fingerprints on the bags. There we go. So He was already in prison um, for Angelica's murder. He is now convicted of three life sentences for the three murders. Operation Anagram in 2010 was still ongoing. Um, there's lots of theories around other murders that he might have been involved in. Um, there is a figure from the 60s of Glasgow called Bible John. a guy. I've
3: heard of Bible John. So
2: a lot of girls were going missing from the Barrowlands Club in Glasgow, mentioned where he'd been dancing with Margaret. And he got the name because... A taxi driver had seen him in the back of his taxi and he'd quoted the Bible to him. Now, we know that Tobin has links to religious groups. That was one of his favourite things to join. Yeah. We know he used to dance there. We know he lived there in that time period. We know that at the time he was murdering the girls he was convicted for, He w- like it's believed he was well-practiced. Seems his disposal be of the bodies shows that he had experience. Yeah. So he's not been convicted for that, but there are strong theories that he was also bible john as well as other murderers too so if you're interested in it definitely look it up there's loads of websites that really go into detail about how he could be linked to other murders and some people believe that he's um murdered in prison he admitted to murdering 48 women but then but not specified who so there's lots of stuff out there like there's, you can really fall down the rabbit hole reading about um peter tobin and what he's been up to
3: that's what we're doing tomorrow night my saturday night it's gonna be reading about tobin
2: i hope i'm saying it if he's called fucking tobin (laughs) 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 no (laughs) Jake. no but that was super interesting i loved it the glazed eyes say different
3: i mean it's just the alcohol but who
2: gives a fuck it's the end of episode six we did it yeah you fucking listen to it now we don't have to be guilty you sat here you've wasted your life we're done Listening to this doesn't make you a psycho. Killing people does make you a psycho. Get on the Facebook group. Go fuck yourself.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well?